Today's episode of the Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by the Young Tennis Players Project, our newest presenting sponsor. The Young Tennis Players Project retails sports apparel, but with a unique twist. The majority of the proceeds goes towards helping young athletes receive tennis lessons, which can get really, really costly, while the remainder actually goes back to you, the investor, in a revenue-sharing opportunity for those of you who choose to participate. And with no upfront cost required, there's no risk. It's actually 100% upside. So in order to learn more, visit www.ytp.tennis, that's www.ytp.tennis, or just click on the link in the Friends and Sponsors section on the Hail to the District homepage. And now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm pleased to say that for this evening's podcast, we've rounded up a quorum to do kind of a state of the wizard, Washington Wizards, about 45 games through the season. So I've got Hail to the District regulars, Dash and John here, as well as our distinguished guests for this pod. I got Jake Whitaker, editor of the Wizards mega site and beautifully named site, Bullets Forever. Um, first and foremost, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing this evening? Uh, thank you. I, I think mega site is the... Uh the most flattering thing anyone's ever said uh, about our site. So uh, I appreciate that. No, man, y'all do a fantastic job. We love tweeting out um, all the, a lot of the stuff that you guys post specifically some of the trade stuff that you've been making over the last couple of days. We definitely want to devote a, a little bit of time to that. So without um, overlooking the other guys, John and Dash, how are you guys doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, this Excellent. is Dash here. Uh, so I, I'm really excited to have Jake on. I know we have a lot of uh, Twitter banter back and forth, but that's mostly because I enjoy his, takes on the wizards which are which become mildly mildly cryptic and cynic over the last week and a half Um, john 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 you doing okay yeah i'm doing fine i am not enjoying my love more so hate uh relationship with the wizards in my hate watching because every time i watch them i know that if they win i'll just be kind of eh, and if they lose i'm going to be furious so let's go to the furious and the part of that we'll start off with uh last night's I don't even know what adjective or what noun you want to use for that. Stinker. It, it, I, stinker, I feel like, is a little too conservative. I mean, last night was just a colossal turd in some place that wasn't the toilet. The 133 to 109 loss to the Charlotte Hornets of all teams. Uh, that was, ugh, I, there's no other way to describe it. When you pull Dwight Howard off the bench to shoot free throws and he goes in and nails them and kind of does the MJ shrug at you, you know shit's going wrong that evening. Like, that's the type of night it's been. But um, since the win on Christmas Day, they're six and five, which is fine. I mean, it's not that great. But if you look at it, they've squeaked out wins against Chicago, Memphis, Orlando, and Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, they had to go to OT, which is yay, awesome. And they're two and four over the last six games. One regulation win, uh, I think it was, that was against Orlando. Guys, what the hell is wrong with this team? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think a big thing, especially recently, has just been Otto Porter. He's not been himself lately um whether you want to blame that on him not being demanding enough to get the ball or um you know he's had some hip issues throughout the season and you know recently that um kept him out for about a game and a half so I think that's part of it but I think you know in the grand scheme of things I think there's just a complacency issue with this team they don't um really have that challenge right now because they kind of know that they don't really need home court advantage. They've already won, you know, several series where they were the underdog. So they're just kind of, I just, 
just going through the motions until, um, you know, come playoff time. But I don't know if they can kind of flip the switch in the same way that we've seen the Cavaliers and some other teams do it in recent years. See, the thing is, like, you know, I just playing bad. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The whole team's playing poorly. Like, I mean, Gortat's having his worst year. Keith hasn't looked well the entire season. Porter's still dealing with, you know, hip injuries like he's had historically, which is concerning. And the only person that's really because Brad and John are both not having. I mean, they're comparable seasons to last year. And the only one that's really shown improvement is Ubre and Sadoransky. Everybody else has gotten slightly worse. No, if you look if you look at it like I know I know Jake brought up complacency, but uh, I don't know what they're trying to be complacent about. This team hasn't gone to the conference finals in since nineteen seventy nine. And I know Jake brought up how they've beaten a few teams in the first round when they've been the underdog, but let's not let's not forget last year against Boston in the second round, they didn't they didn't win a road game. Right. So mm-hmm. I mean maybe I I would assume this team needs home court to beat a better team. Like let's say we play Toronto in the second round. I, are you guys confident this isn't the Toronto of, what, three years ago, four years ago, which they're a much better team? Confident. Exactly. And I think I don't think it's a complacency issue. I think it's an actual talent issue. I think Otto has not lived up to the contract, and that hip, I think, is really worrisome. I don't think Morris is – I think Morris is basically a, barely a rotation player at this point. I think that Hernia really did a number on him. He hasn't looked the same, and – I think there's just a front. There, there has to be an upgrade in the front court if this team wants to compete with the top dogs in the East. I to me, I, I, the Tor- Toronto is still the San Diego Chargers, the NBA. Do something in the playoffs, and then we'll talk. Um, that's my p- viewpoint, and I think Keith isn't right from the hit pointer. I completely agree. I think he's still recovering. I think we have a tendency to say like, "Oh, Keith is back." No, like, no, it takes time for players to recover. Like, I don't think he's there yet. Um, I don't think Wall is 100 percent back from the preseason knee or the offseason preseason, whatever you want to call it, knee surgery. I think that's a thing, and I think Bradley Beal. We're all talking about him playing. I mean, everyone kind of talks about him like, "Oh, he's having kind of a quote unquote breakout season." I think he's kind of, as John said, he's on par ish, maybe maybe a little better, but in comparison to everyone else having a kind of a shitty season Beal looks a lot better in that context yeah i thought Beal was the potential all-star on this team and now i'm questioning whether they have any all-stars this year on the team fair assumption i mean they're kind of just middle of the pack and in a lot of cases so just breaking down some of the stats they're 13th in points again allowed per game they're sixth in the east you know they're just outside the top 10 in defensive defensive efficiency and opposing field goal percentage um, you know, they're top 10 ish in the in turnovers for So they're right about where we thought we would be in the proverbial purgatory that bottom half of the playoff race, not necessarily as others were saying good enough to where, you know, they might be able to win a first round uh, series. And if they do, they're not going to advance much past that kind of like what happened with Boston last year, although Boston might have been, you know, going seven games and taking them to the wire after until Kelly Olenek went ape shit like that might have been our peak as sad as this is a. Right now, they'd face Miami in the playoffs, and I'm not really even confident they'd make it out of that series because yeah, Miami just gives them fits. If yeah. you have to, if you have to look at what a few, what a favorable matchup in the playoffs would be for this team, what do you guys think? Like out of the eight teams that are in the standings right now, which team do you think they would be favored to win against? Because I'm struggling to find one. Yeah, I don't know if they favor that well over Indiana. Or- I kind of, or Milwaukee or Detroit, I think they would definitely be. 
Detroit's the only one. If they somehow went into a four or five against Detroit, that's the only one I'm comfortable. Maybe Indiana, like John said. Yeah, yeah they they seem to always have this thing with Detroit where they play them well. But yeah, the Heat, the Bucks, um, you know, the Pacers is kind of wait and see because have, they haven't played each other with this kind of new roster. But they kind of shape up as a team that um, would give Washington fits. I'm not really uh, comfortable against any of those guys. Yeah. Um, it, it, honestly, as silly as this might sound, I don't want to see the Sixers in the playoffs either. Like, I it, that would, I, it wouldn't. No. The, the matchups would be very strange, or for there'd be a lot of weird things for that to happen. But like, that's another team. Don't want any part of them. They're too. They're young enough to not know any better to win in the first round and beat us. The thing is, the thing is with the Sixers. If you play the Sixers, they have possibly two, like three of the top five players in the in the series. Couldn't you argue they have two of the top players on the court if we go 5-1? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Embiid and Simmons, I mm-hmm. think, are more impactful than Wall and Beal have been this season. Yeah. So, again, it's, to your That's point, harsh. it's like, you know, is there anyone like, all right, cool, we're going to make it to the playoffs, or we think we're going to make it to the playoffs, although we're only, what, three, two games out of, two and a half games out of the ninth seed? So we assume so, but, like, if we do, yay. So it, the five, uh, what was it, uh, the I always mess it up. Five thirty-eight projection yep. of them finishing with forty-two and forty. Five thirty-eight. I always get it wrong. It's my dyslexia. I blame it. Yep. Um, that really uh, terrifies me. I mean, if that's if they finish forty-two and forty, that's really a disappointing season. Yep. And if you go by five thirty-eight's projections, if they wouldn't finish forty-two and forty, that would be ninth according to all the rest of their projections. So that would be outside looking in. And what three games? Four, two games out of last year's pace. Two or three. We just pray that Ernie doesn't trade away our first round pick <laughs> and they miss the playoffs. <sighs> Man. So let's go. Uh, one thing I want to talk or definitely want to touch on and it's serendipitous timing. Dan Steinberg posted a fantastic story on the bog today. Um, and his headline was absolutely beautiful. It was the wizards would beat the dream team and then lose to Angola. And I think that basically says, or everything you need to know about this season, very, very succinctly. Um, elaborating on a little more, 12-9 and nine with, against teams with winning records, about where you would expect 12 wins out of 21 games. But 13-11 and 11 against teams with losing records, which is the worst team of worst record of any team over 500 themselves. Um, I don't know if it's coasting. I don't know if it's Zach Lowe's quote of, they have a laissez-faire cavalier approach to life in the NBA. I don't know if it's John Wall's assertion that they're all playing for stats when they know they're playing against a shitty team. But something's not right. Yeah, and, and I think I think a big part of it is, um, you know, the league is a little more uh, balanced this season. I think the teams that were just straight cakewalks last year are a lot more competitive. You look at, you know, your Brooklyn's, even your Knicks are feisty this year. Um, so I, I think they're kind of taking that aspect of things for granted. There's just a lot of, um, you know, tougher cakewalks, so to speak. So if you don't really have your game going, you can get waxed. Like, you know, we saw even, you know, the Hornets are, you know, you know, they could be, you know, a pretty high up team in the lottery and, um, you know, they just didn't have the right energy for that game. So, um, I, I think it's, um, one underestimating the league and two, just, um, you know, when you have a lot of guys together for a long time and you're kind of, stuck at the same ceiling you've always been it's I, I think you're just waiting for that moment to prove that but you know they're not willing to really put the work in to 
put themselves in a better position to actually win. Um, it it kind of reminds me of um, something Matt Moore tweeted out last night about how, you know, the Wizards will probably, you know, hit another gear in the playoffs and give whoever they face in the, you know, the second round a go if they get there. But then they'll probably blow it because they don't have home court because it didn't work when they had the chance. So, like, uh, like uh, I'll have to go with the Matt Moore thing. So, is this a season where is this a throwaway year, like the 20, uh, 2015-2016 season, which eventually got Randy Whitman fired? Or is this more where you think, hey, the starting five is still one of the best in the NBA and they can beat anyone, but the bench is still going to let you down? Or as you know, this is something we haven't brought up yet, but I think it's worth considering that they're just going through the dog days of the NBA season. You know, we're just, you know, Wall and Beal don't care that much. Wall thinks Wall still thinks he's a top five point guard. He can turn it on whenever, and they'll worry about it when it comes to April. But they're not good enough to not care. That's the problem. That's the frustrating part. It's like when Cleveland does it, they have the greatest player in the NBA right now, and they know they can make it up. Yeah, they have the, the Wizards don't have off. that luxury. Yeah. Oh my God, did I say NFL? No, no, you're fine. I said they just don't okay, have the equity sorry. to pull it off. Yeah, I'm saying they don't have the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can just flip the switch whenever they don't have a switch, or they don't. They haven't proven they have a switch. Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it, you know, they kind of have that Cavaliers thing. But, you know, when Cleveland, you know, coasts for, you know, three quarters, they can give the ball to LeBron James in the fourth quarter. And he's shooting like, you know, 60 percent in the clutch or something this season. And it is fine. But, you know, when you have Wall and Beal running these you know terrible sets in the final few minutes and shooting 30 percent. You know, that's not a recipe to you know cakewalk a game through. You if you're going to play like that in the final few minutes, then you've got to build up equity in the first three quarters that um, you know they've built at some points, but not consistently enough to hold on to big leads. How much do you think? I feel like they've definitely uh, blown that equity. I feel like a lot of Scotty Brooks's rap of letting the guys play hero ball in the fourth quarter, kind of just doing the one-on-one or glorified one-on-ones, which, you know, he got the rap in, in Oklahoma city with letting Durant and Westbrook kind of do that. And I feel like that's kind of followed him here a little bit with wall and Beal in a similar team structure and a similar two star structure. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I think they struggled with that even before. Um, I, I think it's just something when you rely so much on your guards to create and then they just slow things down um, and really get out of their tempo and the way that they excel. Um, it's just not a good recipe. They were able to get out of that a little bit last year um, when I think there was that sense of urgency and that sense of, you know, we need to prove something after the garbage year we had with Whitman the year before, yeah. but now it's, it's just not there again. And I, I think that it's just coming back and rearing its ugly head and, um, you know, I, I think Scott Brooks's development style, you know, it, it's very um, it's good for enabling players to build on what's good for them. And, you know, it's it's part of what helped guys like Westbrook and Durant and Wall and Beal develop. But um, there just isn't that guidance there, I think, in the final few minutes to really correct a lot of these just simple things that the Wizards are doing wrong. So run your base offense. So does, does this, you know, like, are they bad in the clutch because Wall and Beal are not Durant and Westbrook or is it just, is it a coaching issue? 
because I have heard I have heard people asking for Brooks to go, but you know, this is DC Sports. We asked for the coach to be fired after going, you know, two and five in the middle of right. baseball season. So is this a Brooks issue? Is this a roster issue? Is this a Wall and Beal leadership issue? Or what is it? Right. Is it yes. an ego issue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes to all. Yes, yes to all. That's I, I think that's just it, it's it's a little bit of everything. And you know, I, I think you know, part of this might be, you know, if, if you're keeping the long view in mind, maybe Brooks is like, you know, I have to let these guys fail on their own to see that this isn't working. But at the same time, you know, if, if that was the plan that we would have seen it manifest itself in something more uh, constructive in Oklahoma city. And that's really never what happened. So I'm not really sure if that, correction is coming and if so then i really don't know what the answer is because wall just isn't a good enough shot creator in isolation uh consistently to be that guy and beal you know he's he's good in isolation situations like within the pace of the game but you know when things really slow down and defenses can hone in on him it's it's you know it's not the same so i i think they need to even even if Wall and Beal are the ones taking the most shots, at least run some more action just to keep defenses off balance and keep them from loading up on those two. I feel like Porter has his superstar moments, but they're like it's like a it's like a comet and then you don't see it for a while. But like you kind of have these flashes. Like John and I were just joking before like early in the season, we're like, did Porter just suddenly become our best player? Because he looked like it for stretches. And then he goes quiet and it could be within the context of like, okay, Wall and Beale are doing their thing and the team obviously or the offense obviously runs through them. But yeah, to very much to your point, like I feel like it's you know, a lot of it is focused on them for better or for worse. And then, you know, when they, there's moments where somebody else will contribute or you're like, Uber will have a big game. And then it's like, oh, okay, there's balance. And then it kind of just reverts right back to the mean. And it's, it's just frustrating to watch because you know what's coming, but you can't predict like, oh, somebody else, like the third fiddle or the fourth fiddle can, is going to show up tonight for whatever reason. Does, do do you guys think Otto Porter is deserved, has deserved every penny of that contract? I know, I know they had to sign him apparently because they absolutely had to and to keep the thing going. But uh, I think John mentioned this before we started the pod, that if you look at the per 36 minutes of Ubre and Porter, they're pretty much the same person. Will this team be better off without Otto Porter and maybe more cap flexibility, which we see have never had since maybe, what, 1998 and then before last offseason before the Mahimi contract? but The pre-Grunfeld days. The problem with that is that they they had to sign auto because they had no other options to improve the team and they didn't want to take a step back because they had already put themselves in, you know, a, a terrible cap situation. So they kind of had to sign them. But, yeah, it was one of those things all last year. You're kind of debating, do do you do you sign them or do you just roll the dice with Ubre because they're kind of the same guy and hope that you get you already have this cheap replacement but then what were you going to use your minimal cap money to do to improve your bench? They really wouldn't have been able to do much. That's the kind of downside. Jake, what was your all's thoughts or your guys' thoughts on the whole signing Otto Porter? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, in a, in a perfect world, um, you know, your true max players are only your number one guys. But I think with the way that the max is kind of 
you know, suppressed and the way the cap is set up really, you know, a max player is basically, you know, anyone who you think is going to be a top three guy. And, you know, Otto isn't maybe a top three guy in the traditional sense, but with this roster construction where you have two very ball dominant guards, I think he makes more sense in that role than a lot of other guys would. That said, you know, they're definitely, you know, he, he hasn't been a max guy this season, but if, you know, the alternative is, you know, cap space in this cap environment, I still think you're probably not getting a better solution than Porter. And, you know, and, and, and I don't think it needs necessarily needs to be a either or with Ubre and Porter because Otto has done some good work this season at power forward. And I think ultimately that's probably the long-term play with him as Morris gets older and, you know, they really don't have another um, option there in the works. So, um, you know, I, I think the hope is that as good as he's been at the three, I think he'll be even more dynamic once he can really embrace that role as a power forward. Yeah. I think the thing on him coming out of coming out was there was a little bit of a concern kind of before the league made this evolution as it is right now, where is Otto Porter a tweener because he's not big enough to be the four and he's a little too quote-unquote unathletic in some senses to be the three, but very much to weigh the small ball, if you will, NBA is I think he fits really well at the four. And I definitely want to touch a little more on this in terms of some of the stuff that Scott Brooks said after the game yesterday, but I think their second best lineup is literally just having Gortat at the five and then Porter Ubre will and be on the floor in terms of their offensive and defensive efficiencies. Um, I'm I'm completely in agreement on the fact about the free agent component. Everyone says like, oh, well, we'll have cap space to sign someone else. Well, we've seen an NBA free agency that you either re-sign your own guy or you're throwing, you know, $130 million at Alan Crabb or something of that ilk. And it's like, to your point, like, yeah, you might as well have just handed the $130 million or whatever it was to Otto because at least you're getting your known commodity who has a sense of chemistry within the team context there. So I agree. Apples to apples, probably Porter is very similar to Ubre and, and on the paper, it wouldn't have made a difference. But yeah, I mean, what would we have done with $30 million with the cap room, not to mention with the current GM situation? You, know, you, you, you talk about cap space a lot, but, um, you know, with Ernie at the helm, like – if he wasn't going to pay out of the max, that could have been a five-year, $100 million contract for Tim Hardaway Jr. or something, and that would have been a bigger disaster. So I guess, I mean, I guess it's a known commodity, but I, I mean, I think you're just accepting that there's a ceiling on this roster, and I mean, unless, of course, you know, there is a trade made before the deadline. So let's talk about the Scott Brooks quote and kind of go into trades and changes and all of those things. So after last night's game, whether he meant it or whether it was just the frustration of the moment, Scott Brooks said, and I quote, you just have to find guys that are going to compete. So does that necessarily have been extrapolating? Does that mean he's going to shake up the roster a little bit in terms of uh, the starting lineup and the bench rotations or the oft-discussed trade possibilities? Um, we'll start with the guys on the team. And Jake, you guys did a fantastic breakdown. I think it was no bullets forever. You all tweeted it in terms of the different lineup combinations that I was alluding to that, you know, Gortat, Vin Porter, Newbury on the floor versus the starting lineup versus maybe slotting in Mahinmi. Um, any initial thoughts on that as far as what they might do? I mean, my gut instinct is they probably, I, I, I 
the thing Brooks would probably do is take Morris out and put Mike Scott in. Yeah. Um, I, 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 my concern with putting Porter at the four full time, at least right now is I just don't know if he's going to handle the wear and tear just because, you know, even though it's a more spread out NBA, there's just nights you're going to be covering guys that are just bigger and that are going to, you know, really rough you up. And, you know, so it might be efficient in the short term, but come playoff time, Otto Porter could be more worn down. Those hip issues could flare up even worse. And then you're in a much worse position when you need to be hitting your stride. And so I think putting Scott there kind of gives you some of that same offensive flexibility without, um, you know, totally, um, you know, wrecking your, you know, high gear for the playoffs. Yeah. I find it interesting as well that I think the highest offensive efficiency lineup, granted they've only been on the floor for 25 minutes, is putting Mahin Mee as the five and then Porter and Ubre as the four and I don't, three. I don't believe that it, for a second. Just That <laughs> yeah. doesn't pass the eye test. Mahin <laughs> is the biggest stiff I've ever seen. <laughs> Like when yeah. when I read like the the Ringer article about him like losing weight so he could you know prolong his career, I'm like, how about you learn how to catch? That might prolong your career. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the thing that throws that off is I think I want to say almost half of those minutes came in that weird game against the Magic, right? Uh, a week or so ago when you know no one was playing defense and like, um, oh, Biombo had like 23 points and it was just it, it's almost like those, those numbers are just like just should be thrown out the window. It's like all-star game minutes. I agree. Throw it out the window, please. (laughs) Yeah. No, like, uh, like Jake said, like, I don't think it makes sense for Otto to play at the four the whole season because of the wear and tear. And I mean, let's remember this is a franchise whose like moment of basketball and genius was what Pierce at the four, right. Two years ago, three years ago in a playoff series against Toronto. So maybe Scott Brooks is an evil genius and he's just saving it for the playoffs. But, We've seen that lineup in the playoffs, but with this bench, you can't really, you can't really expect this team to make huge strides. You know, you don't have any developmental guys, which again goes back to you know, trading every first round pick in the last fifteen years, other than Kelly Oubre. So, here we are, twenty five and twenty, going into All Star break, and this team either needs to make a change on the roster or a change in the lineup. And even with a change in the lineup, I don't think this team is gunning for a top three seed in the East. So Jake, to the trade possibilities or potential suitors out there, there are a few. Um, you wrote a really, really good piece on, on Bullets Forever about the, you know, some of the, 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 the no usual suspects of trade. So, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Boogie Cousins are really the two that get talked about the most. DeAndre has picked up a lot this year, but Boogie Cousins, because of the wall connection, obviously has always been there. Um, I'm very skeptical or increasingly skeptical that they would move Boogie Cousins for really any package, um, given the way that they're up and down. Although when they came to DC, that team was just the, the Pelicans team we saw was just so lethargic. It was, we were so excited to see John. And I went to that game. Was so excited to see Boogie and and, and Anthony Davis, and it was, it was really, uh, at least in my opinion, disappointing. But that notwithstanding, DeAndre Jordan, DeMarcus Cousins are the two big names, and then you had an interesting possibility with uh, Nikola Mirotic. Um, you obviously did a really good job recapping all three of those, but just some more thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, Cousins would be really fun and exciting, but I guess my concern is like. I don't think he really does anything to kind of, um, you know, address like the whole playing down to competition and, 
you know, the, you know, while the Wizards defense has been okay in some respects, I don't like, I don't think it's like sustainable. It's been helped a lot because teams are just shooting unusually low on them from three. And I don't think that really holds up against playoff teams. So I, I don't think Cousins really addresses the heart of what ails the Wizards, which is, you know, they need stronger interior defense and just kind of a more balance. And I, I just think he kind of throws things out of whack. You know, it's, it's more talent, but it's not aligned in the right way to really get the best out of everyone. Um, whereas I think DeAndre Jordan is basically just Gortat with athleticism and, you know, worse free throw shooting. Um, you know, so I think, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a trade-off, but I think he makes a little more sense. The only issue now is that the Clippers have gotten really good and yeah. I don't think, um, they're really, I don't think they're yeah. So I don't, yeah, I just, I, you know, those are the two guys that really make the most sense. And then like beyond that, you know, there's Paul George and, and that would be cool, but you know, he, I can't see him staying in Washington, um, not off of just like two months of playing with wall and then, you know, getting courted by the Lakers. Um, so, I mean, the, the sad thing is beyond that, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who could be good short-term upgrades at shooting guard coming off the bench. You know, you could look at like a Bellinelli or a Joe Johnson or Will Barton. There's lots of good options that could upgrade from Jody Meeks, but they're all on expiring deals. And with the wizards cap situation, uh, it wouldn't be easy to keep any of them. You don't feel like so, Joe Johnson's going to go to a ring chasing team. I feel like he just has like a Boston or a Cleveland written all over him. Like he might get, I don't know if he's in a buyout situation, but I feel like he'll be a ring right. chaser. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he's had chances to chase rings before and he, he just hasn't. took the money. Yeah, exactly. How, how dare you slander Iso Joe like that? That was really <laughs> disappointing. No, I, I, I could see that. But the same thing is like, even if you like, if you do you really want Ernie making that trade, it's going to be Jason Smith and a first round pick. Right. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. And, and for a guy that, you know, especially like if it was, you know, Joe Johnson or something, I mean, that's, you know, that's like Paul Pierce all over again, but worse. And you're giving up significant future assets to get him. So I, I just, yeah, I just don't see the real need to do like a short term upgrade. There's nothing that's going to push you past Cleveland or probably even Boston, if we're being honest. So, that's kind of right. And so that's kind of where I come back to like the Miritich trade because it, it, it probably doesn't push the needle this season, but it addresses kind of the wizards cap issues down the road because Morris and Gortat are both going to come off the books in a year where the wizards are going to be over the cap. So they, it, you know, keeping them to watch them expire doesn't give them any value. So you might as well try to flip it for someone you'd rather keep. And I think, you know, if you could throw a good deal at Chicago to get him, you know, you're probably better off going that route than just standing pat. So I, I have a theory about Miritich playing so well recently. I think he's just playing really well so he gets traded and he doesn't get punched in the face again. <laughs> right. but, um, but, you know, if you, if you do do that deal for Miritich, you're looking at, again, a long-term contract for a guy who, how old is he? I know he came into the league pretty late uh, from Europe. And right. he, and he's almost thirty-ish, I think. Um, uh, pulling I, it up, twenty-six. 
No way. He just no has, way. Wow. He just has, Nation. He has European miles on him. Born in 1991. Playing so he'll be 27. He was, sorry. He's been playing since he was eight years old. But uh, right. so that's the thing. So if you, even if you make that deal for Miritich, that's another guy who do you think he's a top four guy in a playoff rotation against, you know, LeBron or even Boston with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, whoever they get next year, DeAndre Ayton, and then whoever they get the year after that, because apparently they have 18 first round picks coming up. Once they get DeAndre Ayton, I'm going to stop watching basketball. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, come on, yeah. man. It's like, oh, you're going to have a top six pick, maybe probably, probably higher. And again, we all thought last year's draft was awesome, and it probably still might be a couple of years from now when we all really assess it. But like, this year's top five is just as ridiculous. The guy who's the number one recruit in the nation might go like in the top seven or outside the top three. Like, it's just stupid. And then, of course, damn you, Dan- Danny Ainge. <laughs> Damn yeah. you, uh, the Nets, for making this all possible. Yeah, fuck you, Mikhail Prokhorov. Fuck you to hell. <laughs> Seriously, man. What the hell? And he's already out of the picture. He's back, you know, hanging out with Russian models and doing things. Yeah. And spending his billions. Yeah. Tough life. Tough life. Wow, this took a really dark turn in like five <laughs> seconds. It, it is a Wizards podcast, right? I, I was going to say, like, isn't that par for the course at this point? Um, Has anybody, like, considered, like, I, I mean... For, as far as a trade, I, I would love to see them get off the Mahimi contract, and I understand they have to give up a first to do it. And with a short-term perspective, the salaries would match to send them to— not that Phoenix would take him for Greg, Greg Monroe, because I don't think they want to sit on that salary. They, maybe they're more content just buying him out, but to me that it would at least be a somewhat palatable option because it would give them some level of production off the bench this year. And get them off that Mahimi deal. Yeah, I just, I, I, I think still like, yeah, I mean, you're asking to them to take about thirty million, and yeah. you know, it's Brooklyn with when Brooklyn took on Nicholson, that was about twenty million for that pick, and you know, Washington's pick this year, you know, would probably be a little better than the one they gave Brooklyn last year, but I, I think even still at that point, you probably need some other sweetener to really get them to take on all that money. Just as a devil's advocate standpoint, didn't Washington's pick turn out to be Kyle Kuzma? It did. Yeah. All right. Just making sure. I thought Great. it was Jared well, Wait, no, 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 no. no. It's, uh, Jared, it was, uh, Allen. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. That's right. Who's yeah. not bad either. Right. Yeah. But Kuzma okay. was available yeah. when Allen was right. taken. See, yeah, so that's, they, that's, that's my issue with trading all these picks. We keep trading right. picks, but the, the best asset in the NBA, NFL, any sport even is cheap labor. I mean, it makes me yeah. sound like an asshole saying that, but you know, you get a guy on his rookie contract who can contribute, who's a rotation player, and that makes the rest of your roster better. And this team seems to, you know, always sign free agents. Like trading a second round pick for Tim Frazier, I know like Tim Frazier played like eight games. And then they realized, hey, he can't shoot, and now that's another second round pick gone. It, this is just, you know, it, like, look how good Sadoransky has been. Look how good Ubre has been. They're solid rotation players, and you're paying them what? Like, the first-round contract and a second-round contract. Which you is just want Grayson them. Allen be decent on this team? Who, Grayson Allen? Yeah. Grayson Allen, Grayson Allen would be a top-seven player on this team. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's in your range of draft picks this, this upcoming year. Right. And just, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, ideally, I'd, I, I think I'd rather they just— I think their best move is no move and to um, keep their draft pick, get somebody, and then maybe look at 
trying to get a a buyout person to upgrade their bench and hopefully they're better than Brandon Jennings. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think the thing you can get around the issues with Gortat and Morris because I think you're going to need to all right, while we work through some of the technical difficulties we're having, I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, and that's Advantage Media Solutions. Um, whether you're a startup business, an already established company, organization, charity, or just an individual looking to help get your name out there, Advantage Media Solutions offers exactly what you're looking for in terms of unparalleled creative solutions for all clients and making sure that every job is done through through it to full success. In terms of marketing and advertising, they take care of everything from strategy to mobile marketing, SEO, email marketing, branding, social media, uh, publishing content. They do all sorts of PR, agent work, talent booking, image consulting, and image repair. So Advantage Media Solutions, point being, considers every client a partner. Your success equals their success, and they take a personal interest in each and every one of their clients. So make sure you give them a call or make sure you give them an email at theadvantagemediasolutions at gmail.com, or you can visit simply www.advantagemediasolutions.com. And now back to the podcast. You can attract those expiring deals, and then, you know, you don't need to attach, you know, necessarily a a pick to sweeten it for somebody and you can kind of just, you know, cause like you don't need to clear cap space to just draft cheap young players. So yeah, I mean, I, I think generally speaking, the best strategy is to stay put unless, you know, some just incredible player is out there that's worth a move, but I just don't see that uh, in this market. We should, per Brian Windhorst report last week, we should just make a run at Isaiah Thomas, who is not going to get a max deal from Cleveland. I think think that's the best move right there, because why not add another max? We already got three. We'll Mm -hmm. find a way. Then we'll hand Oubre too much money, and then we'll we'll just have lots of contracts and nothing to do with them, or nothing else we can do with past that. This is a damning indictment of Ernie Grunfeld. And I say this every time, but it is what it is, and now I'm really depressed. So, You're thanks. just excited for him to draft another Alexei Petrov. That's all I'm getting at. You don't understand. The Euro players are really good. Yep, good and you, you put, I, like, I still stand by this. If you put Jan Vesely in the right system, if he were drafted by Popovich, no. he's no. still in no, the league. Just no, just stop. Okay. Jan all Vesely right. had one distinguishable skill set. That was to jump. He could dunk a basketball. <laughs> like, every college player can do that. There's probably so, Jake, 107 footers in China who can do that. And we spent the sixth pick on him. So, Jake, you know, we, so, I mean, I'm just going to go off topic here because you guys are making me sad about my Jan Vesely love. I was also a Kwame fan. But so let's discuss it. You know, like you said, Wall and Beal, does this team have an all, all-star? Uh, I think if there was one, it would probably be Beal. I think he's relative to the ceiling he set for himself. I, I think he's been a little more on people's radar because he had the big 50-point game and, you know, he's kind of the, the fresh young name, whereas I think when people see Wall, they just think, oh, he wasn't as good as as last year. So I, I think that will weigh into, you know, the coaches' minds now that, you know, they're officially not starters. So I would say if either makes it, Beal probably has the better shot at this point. 
It is pretty tight, though, in the Eastern backcourt. That's what I was – yeah, that's another thing. Like even people are going to make arguments like somebody like Kemba Walker should be going in front of Wall, which you know last year that would have been preposterous. Absolutely absolutely not. No. Kemba Walker is a really good player, but his team has – it's like 17 and 25. Hey, you're preaching to the choir on this one. I'm not saying Kemba should go. I think Kemba's overrated full stop. I'm just saying people will make that argument. So DeRozan and Kyrie made it tonight. The third guard is probably – uh, Lowry. Yeah, so I guess. I think Kyle Lowry is probably there. He's gonna get. They're gonna get some love there because of the way he's playing. If Oladipo gets in as a guard, so that's yeah, another absolutely. one right there. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, Oladipo has been absolutely incredible this season. Yeah. Oladipo, he's been amazing. Oladipo has been. I think Bill Simmons mentioned this on his podcast. Oladipo has been as good as Demar Derozan this year, and that's and you know this is the story of the Wizards. You know, he was taking one pick before Otto Porter, and here we are. Yeah, but it also took him till his third stop third to really stop, pull it yeah. together. Yeah, that's true. And someone actually willing to so give he him apparently the ball. did some crazy off season training to kind of prepare for this season. I don't know how crazy it was. I, from I can't remember who it was talking about. It was one of the, I think it was a ringer did a story on it, or the ringer did a story on him, and his like his big uh, epiphany was they were like you need to stop eating so much fast food because if you stop <laughs> eating fast food, you'll do. Like your body will be in better shape, and he was like, "Okay." And then he literally just gave up fast food, cold turkey, and like all wow, of a sudden, he it. Like, it dropped like five to seven percent of body fat. Like just giving up fast food, like you know, obviously his energy level. Yeah, right. And I'm like, who would have known? Just he give yeah. up, stop eating McDonald's. Andre Blatch is like, wait, what? <laughs> I used to love when they did the 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 Chipotle runs with Andre Blatch because I was like, how many times would he just eat the burrito before he even got out of the Chipotle? So, uh, Jake, this final, uh, just wrapping up here. So, what's your prediction for this team at the trade deadline? And what do you think? How far do you think they'll go in the playoffs? Um, my my prediction is, I I think this trade deadline they'll make a move, but I think it'll be more geared to just trying to clear some luxury tax off because. Um, you know, with the way the luxury tax is set up, there's the potential they could be facing the repeater tax down the road, which is, you know, a lot worse than just the regular luxury tax. So if they can get off some money now, that helps them down the road with some of those luxury tax bills. So, like, if they could get off, like, a Chris McCullough or a Sheldon Mack or Tim Frazier, um, you know, just some of those low-end guys that aren't doing anything. You know, ideally Jason Smith, but, you know, I don't think they want to give up the assets that it would take to unload that. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to move off some of those low-level guys just to kind of, you know, chop off some of that luxury tax bill. And then, you know, I think as long as they stay healthy, at the end of the day when the Wizards really want to play they're still a top four team. So I think they get out of the first round as long as they avoid falling to the sixth seed. Um, you know, as long as they stay in the four or five range, I think they can probably get through, but the Bucks series would be interesting. I think but, the Bucks um, would be hell on wheels. That's the one yeah. team I don't want to play. I'm fine with anybody uh, outside the top yeah. three teams, Boston, yeah. and, but in terms of everyone else down, that's the one team I'm like, I want no part. I don't want to see Giannis for seven games. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Giannis in the playoffs is, I, I think this is the year that he goes absolutely crazy. Uh, and I would avoid him and I would, I would love to see a Toronto Milwaukee first round series again, just to see how that Toronto team deals with 
again, Giannis, and after their narrow escape last year, I think Giannis would beat them. But yeah, I, Spo is one yeah. of my favorite underrated coaches. I have no fear in Miami. I really don't. Like I, I think Spo is a fantastic coach. I don't fear them. Indiana, we've already talked about. Detroit, we've already talked about. It's just Milwaukee, man. F that business. I got no. I got no time for them. So. Yes, um, Jake said if they fall to the six, I mean you're looking at Cleveland. You don't. They don't have a chance in hell. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's maybe maybe you, if they're you, lucky. You'd six rather games. fall to the seven. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Wouldn't that can be you, the ultimate irony? If if the if Washington ends up duck, finally trying to, to duck Cleveland in the first round, and you know it just all comes full circle. You want to know what? It year. probably would be a hell of a series, but they're not winning it. Right. Exactly. It'd be fun, like a really fun competitive series, but just kind of like the other um, Wizards Cavs series of uh, yesteryear, it would just be depressing at the end. Then again, how would falling to the seventh seed be, and then playing? Boston in the first round, be that would be absolutely delicious. And then pulling off the upset when Boston's thinking, "Hey, we got a chance to go all the way." Uh, but I'm just. Oh, there's something to hang up. I'm gonna hang up on you right now. I'm just gonna <laughs> hang up on you. Like just, just, just get get out of here with that stuff. Um, Jake, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Awesome conversation. Um, you guys, for those of you listening to the podcast, make sure you guys check out the stuff at Bullets Forever. They do a fantastic job. Um, thank you very much for everyone for listening tonight. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, check us out on SoundCloud. Leave us some feedback if you haven't done so. Uh, lots more great podcasts come up in the next couple of months, so keep it locked over here. And until then, thank you very much once again. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.